Hello and welcome to another episode of Corgi Town USA. I am Candy Kemp, owner of Corgi Town USA. In my lap is Chuckles, our spokes cork. In the studio, we have Booger and her bro for Mortimer Barnabas. And Hammer's around here somewhere. Digby didn't come. Digby didn't come today. Mama had uh, meetings before we recorded. So Digby, no corgis at the meeting. No, well, not our kind of meeting. It it wasn't a restaurant, and since this is not Europe, they don't allow uh, dogs in restaurants. And keeping your dog in a car when it's 112 degrees outside—no exaggeration. (sighs) Don't do it. Yeah, don't don't keep your dog in a car. Like period. Yeah. Too hot. Too cold. Unless you have a Tesla, they have dog mode. You know about dog mode? No. So Teslas. It's probably not specific to Teslas or maybe other manufacturers, but I know, and probably not all Teslas either, but Tesla has dog mode because it runs on a battery anyway, that you can park it, it locks if it knows the dog is in there, and it will run the AC and keep them cool. I need a Tesla. Yeah, if you have the 60, 70 grand or whatever it is. So if any of our dear viewers, (laughs) dear listeners, would like Candy and I to have matching <laughs> Teslas so we could drive around Phoenix and test out this theory. <laughs> it's not a theory. It's a thing. It's a real thing. If you'd like us to advertise <laughs> for you. The dog Mr. mode. Mr. Tesla. Um, <laughs> Elon. Elon, baby. Mr. Tesla. <laughs> Elon, baby. His name is Elon Musk. I know what his name is. I'm sure he likes to be called Mr. Tesla. It, it might be a thing for him. I don't know. Anyway, we we have a guest. We yeah, we're digressing before we friend. even got course, started even today. We, before we get the guest on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to talk about training. Oh, uh, yeah. By the way, we didn't properly introduce you, everyone. If you have been following us, welcome back to season three. We're so glad to be here for a third season. Yes. This is Cat Napoli. She's Hello. Nap- Did I say it right? Yeah. Napoli. Napoli. Uh, she is. She went going back. By- so for those who were here, season one and season two, she decided to go back to her. Uh, maiden name from her married name. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm divorced. Widowed. I am widowed, mm-hmm. which is unusual for a widow, but I liked my name. I've yep. always liked. So anyway. I just I'm have Italian, to get used to Jewish. saying it because, you know, you love when I mispronounce Italian words. Know, it's your favorite. I do. It's, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about training. Uh, yeah. we, we have brought on a few people that we've talked about training before, um, but we're going to have Caitlin Wolf on today and we're going to talk about some what I'm going to call sort of unwanted behaviors, uh, like reactivity, aggression, um, if it's leash pulling, things like that. Um, I always say that my chuckles is a little conquistador. He's really big on the resource guarding. His is benign though. He's not nasty, aggressive. He just lets everybody know that everything is his. Well, with me, Digby is, um, if I stood up, you would notice that now after a little over a year, uh, almost two, that my right arm is probably longer than my left arm because of the leash pulling. It's really bad. And for us, it's particularly bad due to where I live. I live on South Mountain in Phoenix, which doesn't mean anything to you if you're not in Phoenix. Uh, it is a nature preserve. It is a, it is a municipal park. And it has, among other things, we have a neighborhood bobcat. 
and we have a lot of coyotes. And now this time of year, we have um, rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes. So yeah. that pulling uh, becomes extremely dangerous in the summer and that but that's also common and yeah. so just if your dog is leash pulling it doesn't mean that you have a misbehaving dog it's just it's one of those behaviors that it's good to know how to curtail so what do we bring on caitlin however educate us know. yeah caitlin welcome hi caitlin hello it, thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to educate us today absolutely thanks for having me on i'm excited yeah. Well, so tell us a little about you. Let's get started with uh, who Caitlin Wolf is and about its wolf paw training, um, how you got started training dogs and how you arrived where you are today. Perfect. Um, so yes, I, uh, my business is Wolf Paw Training um, and that's Wolf with an E because that's my last name. Um, and I've been professionally training for 11 years now. Um, I am certified through the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers. Um, so that is an ongoing certification. It's pretty common. Um, you have to do continuing education. So um, it pretty much means that somebody that is certified is going to be using up-to-date methods and is continuing to educate themselves as far as dog behavior goes. Um, and I started out, um, I worked for about seven years in animal sheltering, uh, when I lived in California, um, in all different aspects. Um, I started out just in the behavior department. I moved my way up to, uh, managing the behavior department. And then my last year and a half, I was director of the whole behavior program for all the animals we housed. Wow. Um, and then, um, at the same time I was building my private business and that's what I solely do now. So I teach private training, virtual training, uh, group classes. Um, and yeah, that, that sums it up in, in as little <laughs> information awesome. as possible. Oh, thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. And we, so I do want to ask before we get too far into some of the details, have you worked with many corgis? I know certain breeds, um, I mean, all dogs need training, but certain breeds happen to ha have different temperaments than others in general. So your herding breed is going to have certain tendencies. Have you worked with many corgis at all? I have. Um, I've been fortunate to, and I, uh, I, they're hilarious dogs. So <laughs> I really, I really enjoy working with them. <laughs> they're so comical. Uh, yeah. So yes, I have four I, of them. <laughs> so it's a party in your house all the time. <laughs> It's a vacuum party is what it is. It is, it is a vacuum party. It's a vacuum oh and gosh, lint roll yes. party. <laughs> yes. So I definitely have worked with my fair share of corgis. As you mentioned, you know, um, definitely each dog is, you know, has their individual quirks and temperaments and likes and dislikes. Um, but definitely just breeds in general, we do take into account when we're talking about behavior because breed tendencies very much are a thing and um, affect um, certain ways our dog behaves, certain things they like and dislike. Um, so yeah, it's definitely always good to, uh, have knowledge into the breed that you have, whether it's a purebred or a mixed breed to kind of understand what, uh, what your dog was bred to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank right. you for sharing that. Well, I want to talk about, um, so we get kind of, we get this question, questions like this kind of a lot, um, dogs that either maybe if they're rescues or they've developed things like reactivity right. and aggression. And I know those are two different things, uh, but sometimes they go hand in hand. If you could tell us your thoughts on that, um, can you train those behaviors? I mean, what is, what is your philosophy on that? 
Yeah. So reactivity and aggression, um, very, especially reactivity is honestly one of the most common behaviors that I work with, uh, both in private training, virtual training and group classes. Um, it's, very, very common out there, no matter where you are. Um, and there is a difference between reactivity and aggression. So ultimately, right. what when we're referring to reactivity, uh, what we're really referring to is our dog showing any type of negative response to something, whether it's another dog, a different animal, a person, something that moves like a car, a bicycle, just any overly negative reaction. So you're going to see barking, lunging, lots of leash pulling, maybe even growling. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on of all these things we can see, but those are kind of the most common behaviors. We call it kind of the barky lungy behaviors. <laughs> barky lungy. <And> <laughs> barky lungy. And ultimately, and this is where kind of the most common misconception I would say is, is that if your dog is showing reactivity, that they are aggressive and that's not the case. Uh, when, when we're talking about a aggressive behavior, um, when I refer to a dog that is aggressive, um, I am referring to a dog that has the intention to do harm to another person or another dog. Um, and in most reactivity cases, that's not their goal. Um, they just have a lot of big feelings about their environment and they don't understand how to work through it without these barky lungy behaviors. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I've worked with a, a, a small select few of dogs that have been quote dog aggressive um, and are obviously reactive. Um, and uh, but that's few and far between. So majority of reactivity, it kind of stems from two separate places. So we have our fear based reactivity and we have our frustration based Fear-based is ultimately the dog's choice is really going to want to be to avoid and uh, is nervous, fearful, unsure of whatever it is they're reacting to. And they just want more distance from that thing. And because they can't get more distance from it, typically because they're on leash or they're contained in their home or in their backyard, they figure out that barking and lunging works really well for them because nobody approaches you and you're barking and lunging at them. Very true. <laughs> So they, uh, that's the fighter, that fight or flight response, right? Yes, they, they can't, exactly. they can't flight. Exactly. So they're going to fight. Yeah, exactly. Dog is stuck on the leash. Um, they only have six feet to move around. Dog is in their backyard contained. They only have a certain amount of space to go. So the only other option is to, you know, your best, you know, defense is a really good offense. They're going to make themselves look big, bad, and scary because it's going to keep things away. Right. Um, and then on the other end, that frustration based reactivity, we see that more commonly with younger dogs. So under the age of two, kind of more your adolescents. Um, and really, they're kind of your overly social dogs. <laughs> uh, they really love everybody, but they almost like love just a little too much. Um, like, and they and booger and booger. Yeah, <laughs> my booger is like um, the reason we call it frustration based is their goal is to interact with whatever it is, a person, another dog, typically. Um, and because again, you know, the leash or they're contained by some type of barrier, they can't get to that thing. They get frustrated and they bark and they lunge and, you know, they get themselves all worked up. And, you know, unfortunately they just, you know, they don't understand that that's not exactly the way to get them to 
play. But uh, that's typically what we see is the frustration based or the fear based um, as far as reactivity goes. And, uh, you know, can it be fixed? Um, ultimately, in as a whole, it can't be truly fixed. Um, and the reason being is, you know, a dog that has reactive tendencies, um, depending on the dog, during times of heightened stress, or being under significant pressure for whatever reason, those behaviors may still come out no matter how much they've progressed. But um, it can be extremely well managed and very much de decreased with, you know, proper training to the point that you see very few, if any, you know, as I kind of call them outbursts, um, as, okay. as they start getting more comfortable in their environment, or we teach them more appropriate behaviors that get them the result that they want. Is there a way to, is there a way to know if it's, uh, if, if they want to go play and they're very friendly or if they are wanting to appear bigger? So here's, uh, Digby, my son, um, is very friendly, loves everyone. Uh, thinks everyone needs to pet him as we walk along the canal or the street or whatever. And, uh, and then he'll start to bark if people don't pay attention to him, that whole thing. Me, 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 me. And that I can see is his friendly behavior. Um, where I worry is <laughs> one day we're sitting in the backyard, he's at my feet as he always is. And then he took off and I had no idea where in the yard he was taking off to. And it was after a coyote. And so uh, he now is leashed at all times. <laughs> yeah. Right. He thinks yeah. he's big, bad, big, he, bad bones. He doesn't he? He's, yeah. And, and what he's doing now is uh, we have a coyote that is a, uh, that keeps trying to get at the chickens. And I know by his bark, I knew a couple of uh, weeks ago that, that the coyote was over next to the chicken coop um, because of the way the chickens were behaving. But now I hear by his bark. So my question is, um, in general, can you tell if it's one or the other? And is there a difference in how you, re how you as the parent will react to them? Yes. So um, it is, there are ways to tell which, you know, is it frustration based? Is it fear based? Um, in a lot of cases too, there can be a mixture of both depending mm -hmm. on the situation. Um, you know, uh, with some dogs, some dogs can be reactive to unknown dogs because they are fearful. So you're going to have more fear based reactivity, whereas dogs that they know and they've interacted with before and they have a relationship with, you might still see vocalizing, but that's going to be, that could be more frustration based versus the fear based. Right. Um, now, in the situation you presented, um, those are two very different yes. reactions. Like curiosity, curiosity, excitement type yeah. reactivity. Yep. Yep. Yes, yeah. definitely. I would agree. You know, like you mentioned, he's a social butterfly, uh, you know, getting to interact with people out on walks. The barking is has worked for him because yep. it brings attention to him, you know. He barks at people, they look at him, they're like, oh, so cute. And they come over and say hi to him. <laughs> they um, say the and same he's like, about me. You know, when I, <laughs> when I walk with him and bark, they say the same about me. 
And so he figured out, he's like, oh, cool, this works really well for me. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and also, I mean, in general, obviously, you know, you guys are the corgi experts. Um, corgis in general, I mean, they're vocal dogs. You know, they, they love are. to talk. Whether they're, whether they're talking about something they're upset about, something they're happy about, something they're excited about, or they're just, they just want to talk. They're very vocal. And Sometimes just to are, hear their own barks. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't heard myself bark in a while, so I'm going to throw <laughs> one out there just for fun. Um, but yeah, and really what it comes down to, whether or not a dog um, suffers from any type of reactivity, the behavior you observed with the coyote is commonly going to happen with basically any dog in that mm-hmm. same situation. Um, because one, you know, you had an unknown animal entering their yard. Crazy. That's a big red flag for pretty much any dog. And are all of all dogs, no matter, you know, from four pounds to 200 pounds, all dogs typically have a pretty significant innate chase reflex. So Mm. something moving, something running, in most cases, they're going to chase it, or at least, you know, try to get to it to check it out and see what it is. Um, if they know what it is, or they may not know exactly what it is, but they know they don't want it where it currently is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're gonna they're gonna chase it away. Um, and yeah. so, I mean, kudos for him for keeping the chickens safe. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, given given that corgis are still, you know, more of a small medium breed, um, interacting too much with coyotes can definitely be. <laughs> he just he doesn't um, now. What he does is not he the barks best. from the he barks from the house, which alerts us. And then we can, Perfect. you know, we can chase him away. And that was the, the one and only time he gave chase. He also, Perfect. he also barks at shadows for some reason, but anyway, <laughs> he sees ghosts. He does. see ghosts. <laughs> he sees dead people. He does. <laughs> it's his, it's his imaginary friends. When he's, when he's getting bored, he just talks to his, <laughs> to his friends. Well, I will say though, I, I've commented on this before. Um, and this is actually, you're better at this than I am. Well, all the corgis I've had. Digby is very in tune to cat and follows her lead for anything. Uh, mine are more everybody's dog. So, you know, it's, oh, what's going on over here and what's going on up here. They'll listen to me ish, but with Digby cat, I mean, he just, he's dialed in. Where's mom? What's mom doing? Following mom at all lead. times. Yeah. So I I'm very impressed with that. I mean, that's to me, that's kind of an earmark of a well-trained dog is that they're very into their owners and following their owner's lead. Digby's better at that than mine are with me. <laughs> so I have to give kudos, but um, I do <laughs> want to talk about since you're talking about this um, aggression and reactivity. And I love that you, that you tell us that, you know, it's, you're not going to train it out. It's a management plan. Yeah. Yes. It, and, it can significantly decrease. I mean, and, you know, our oldest, um, you know, I've worked with reactivity for years, both professionally and personally. Um, I've always seemed to have a reactive dog, um, um, probably because I'm, I'm drawn to it. Um, <laughs> but um, our current reactive dog is 11. And her reactivity is so managed at this point that it's pretty much non-existent. Part of that is because she's 11 and she's just at the point where she's like, I don't really care anymore. I just want to live my life and nothing bothers me as much as it used to. Right. <laughs> um, Cat has a cattle but... dog like that. Yeah, I have a cattle dog like that. Once upon yeah, a time, I mean, he was... Nice- kind of the nice thing about as they get into that senior stage, it's like they, they care a little less and less about certain things. Yep. Um, 
but it can be extremely well managed. Um, and I've had, depending on, uh, you know, a lot of that depends also, you know, how quickly it can be fixed. Can it, you know, how, how managed can it be? Like how much it decreases? There's all kinds of factors in that, um, you know, including like how severe was it to start with? Um, right. And, you know, what's the type of environment that you live in type situation um, and not to, you know, tell people that they need to move, but just, for example, a dog that is super reactive to noises and other dogs living in a, you know, a situation like a dog friendly apartment complex or a townhome where there's tons of dogs everywhere and small living quarters and lots of noises that's going to be a more challenging environment than if that same dog were to live in a, you know, rural, quiet area with very little, you know, distractions and noises that they had to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. So we, there's a lot of factors that, that go into it. Yeah. We learned that from, we had a Mo with Mo Mountain Mutts yes. and she was talking about oh, training. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about training, training with the training in the triggers, you know, if yes. you're not, if, yeah, you train when you're obviously if they're in a quiet environment, it's going to be easy to get them to be quiet because there's, you don't have the triggers. Right. So you train in the triggers. So yeah, I'm yes. glad you brought that up, but yes. you, so there's, there's tons of factors, but it, with the proper training and setting them up to succeed, it can be extremely well managed and the behavior can decrease significantly. Um, and ultimately, you know, most of my clients and really what I push people for is you know, not focusing on, especially when, you know, the most common that we experience is dog to dog reactivity. So they bark at other dogs on leash. That's kind of the, the most common, um, at least that, that I get inquiries, inquiries from. Yeah. And really what I, you know, what most people want, and if it's not what they want, what I kind of push them for is they just want to be able to walk their dog and not have it be a chaotic event every single time. Um, you know, they're okay. You know, they're okay if their dog is not a social butterfly and wants to say hi to every other dog. Um, and they just want to be able to take a walk and be able to be within a visual distance of another dog and their dog be okay with that. And so just kind of having those realistic goals is really important. Um, you know, and, and that's what I talk to people about. I'm like, I can, you know, there's no guarantee that your dog is going to be social. And really what it comes down to is each dog is individual with that, you know, just like we are as humans, you know, some of us are big extroverts and love being around a bunch of people. And some of us are not. And so it's, you know, similar in that sense, some dogs love the company of other dogs and love playing with other dogs. And some dogs would prefer being only with humans and they're perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Booger. Um, Booger. Yeah. Booger does not like any of the other dogs. Booger loves humans. Yeah. She's right. a human. And that's, that's normal. And that's, you know, in all honesty, yes. having that extremely social dog, like we call it the dog park dog that just loves every dog and gets along with everybody that's few and far between. It's, you know, we don't see that as often as we see the dog that is what we would call more dog selective or dog 
tolerant rather than dog social. Like I'll I'll be near you, but I don't want to like WWE SmackDown with you all the time. Like that's <laughs> right. that's not my goal here. Um, and unfortunately, when you know when you're at a dog park situation, the majority of dogs you're going to see is those highly social dogs. And so, you know, when you take, you know, your dog that maybe is not at that level, you're only observing this small group of dogs that do enjoy going to this space and probably do well there. And so in our mind, we think, oh, my dog's the oddball out. And why aren't they like every other dog that seems to get along with everybody and have no issues? Um, whereas that's not the case. Your dog isn't the oddball if they don't get along with other dogs. That's, that's very normal. And in all honesty, that's okay. You know, it's okay that your dog doesn't get along with other dogs. The goal is that your dog feels comfortable. You can go for a walk and both of you enjoy it. And it is a good experience for your dog. And they're getting a lot out of it, what we Mm -hmm. want them to get out of it not stressing themselves out and getting themselves all up in a frenzy. And then you get home and you're like, that was the worst 30 minutes of my life. Like I never, (laughs) as we're on this, uh, about treat training, because I know that in many of us do this. I mean, we, we all do it. I, I didn't, uh, well, I didn't have it. I had not had a dog until uh, DB came into my life. I had not had a dog in about 30 years. And the dog before was, was not mine. It was my ex's. And so, and he was a good dog. Like he was, you know, he was older. Um, well-trained. I'm he, sure. Yeah, he was, he was well-trained, um, you know, just tinkling at the end, uh, you know, when you're out eight, 10 hours for, at work, but he was a good, you know, he was like that genuine good dog. Um, so anyway, so Digby is, is quite the handful and I love him so much uh, my fiance, Eric is a, a treat train guy. He's, he's the opposite. He did agility. He did agility. He judged agility. Uh, you know, all of his, everybody in his life has been a dog person except me. I'm like, yeah, I got a dog. See my cats. <laughs> you know, that was, <laughs> but he, um, but he does treat training. So he's teaching me how to do treat training. Yeah. And, know, and we've wrong. all, I mean, that's kind of, I feel like that's sort of the one of the basic things you learn as a as a parent, as a dog yep. owner, is you say, oh, OK, we're going to need some some training treats. So I wanted to spend just a couple of minutes talking yeah. about like treat training and what your what your opinion is on that. And if you think that's appropriate for certain kind of training as opposed to others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so treat training is um, typically how we how I classify that as we call it, you know, positive reinforcement type training. Mm -hmm. And positive reinforcement type training does not only encompass treats, it's anything as a reward to our dog. Um, But in all honesty, when we talk about, you know, when we're teaching our dog a new behavior, whether it's a simple behavior, or it's something more complicated, um, the dog has to have a certain level of motivation to do that behavior. Um, And I, I, you know, I, I compare it to, you know, us, Uh, the paycheck we get for working, you know, the, the paycheck we get for working keeps us going to work. And, you know, if, you know, I would hope that most everybody loves their job. I'm sure we, we all have our moments where we, where we don't, (laughs) but, um, you know, if, 
you know, if you went into work tomorrow and your boss was like, you know, you're doing an amazing job and I'm going to need you to do this new project and it's going to take a few weeks and um, I'm not going to be able to uh, pay you for it, but I still expect you to do it. Um, you know, you're going to look at them and go, right. Like, it's no, not very motivating. Not very motivating. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't work that way, you know. And but the person says, "Well, you know, I'm going to give you a high five when you're done, or you know, I'm going to give you a big hug, um, or you we'll know, work I got for high new... fives." Yeah, and you know, you're like, "Well, that's you know, that's great, but that's not the same, you know." Right. I. So I kind of I compare that to when we use treats in training. Um, we look at our dog's biggest motivator and 99% of dogs, their biggest motivator is food. Me too. Um, you, have, you have your, exactly, me too. <laughs> and you have your select few dogs that may be more toy motivated than food motivated. We typically mm -hmm. see that more in working line dogs like Border Collies and Malinois, things along those lines. Um, Chuckles. Chuckles. Yeah. You can put a piece of like juicy hot steak and then you can put a ball. <laughs> He's going to go for the ball. Yep. He'll go for the ball. Okay. So yeah, go for the there ball. we go. Ball <laughs> is more motivating than food. And that is the case with some dogs. Majority food's going to win. Um, right. And so when it comes down to it, you know, there has to be that, that motivation to encourage the dog to do the behavior. Um, and in a reactivity sense, we use food because what we're trying to do, the dog's current emotional state, when it is, in the presence of their triggers is negative, whether it's frustration or fear. It's a negative response to the presence of that trigger. And so we pair the presence of that trigger with food to create a more positive conditioned response. Um, so rather than the dog seeing another dog and going, oh shoot, here we go again, gotta you know, roll up my sleeves, I'm gonna duke this out. Um, they go, oh look, there's a dog dog means food, I'm going to look to my human. And when I look to my human, they're going to feed me. And that works out really great for me. And so that's ultimately what we're doing with treat training. And okay. um, for those that maybe aren't as knowledgeable on treat training, or have maybe not been uh, shown the proper way to do it, it is way more than just shoving cookies in your dog's face. Um, and sometimes people might think like, oh, you know, you just, you just shove them cookies and that's all you do. Like it, it it's really pretty simple. Um, but really what it comes down to is doing it the proper way, um, requires, uh, appropriate and good timing. Um, you have to reward the dog at the correct time for them to associate the reward with the behavior. And if you don't do it at the right time, you could potentially be rewarding them for a different behavior. Um, and, and when it comes down to it, you know, oftentimes a big question that I get is, well, you know, am I going to have to use treats for life? And really what it comes down to is, and kind of my easiest way to say this is yes and no. And I mean, you know, ultimately when it comes down to it, I mean, if you completely take away all the motivation to do the behavior, your dog's eventually going to stop doing it. Okay. Um, but does it mean that they need a constant supply of treats every single time they do that behavior? No. Um, and there are proper ways to wean off of consistent feeding with treats. Okay. Um, but I typically 
don't recommend people like, oh, once the behavior is solidified, never, ever treat it again. Like, no, go ahead. I mean, you know, a behavior is easy as sit, you know, and obviously both of my dogs are well-versed on that. <laughs> um, but for example, you know, I um, recently I took my younger dog, who's a 18 month old teenager. So adolescence in full swing, you know, has his teenage moments. Um, and he did so well. I took him into a group setting. We went into um, a pet store and there was a lot of dogs and there was a lot of dogs barking at him. And, you know, I, we were stopping, waiting in line to check out and I asked him to sit and he did. And I rewarded him for that. He knows how to sit, but not in that environment. That environment was really distracting for him. So the fact that he was able to do that in that distracting environment, I wanted to make sure to reward that because I want to see that behavior again. And, and why, would, that's really, why wouldn't you want to, re, you know, reward your right. dog? It's part of the bonding process and you get to give them something exactly. they enjoy and, yeah, you know, exactly. see them so, enjoy yes. it. Treat training is in my professional experience and my personal opinion is any dog can be trained using treats and it is the best way to have the best bond with your dog and to have your dog truly enjoy the training that you are doing and not just performing behaviors because they're not sure what's going to happen if they don't do it type thing. Um, so that's, that's why that's the style that I solely use. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I want to, um, before we let you go for the evening, uh, we don't want to take up your whole night, although we can always talk <laughs> all about training and how to have a, an, a well-mannered pup. Uh, but we, we often get here at Corgi Town uh, inquiries on, I, I would love to have a Corgi. Um, tell me where to go. Where should I? I always tell people, you know, Corgis are my favorite. That's what I always have. But yep. they're not for everybody. They are a working breed. They are high energy. They're easy to train because they are intelligent. But you do need high motivation because they're mm -hmm. very headstrong. And so, you know, I, I tell everyone, I give them the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is a sassy breed. They are not going to be quiet about what they think about it. Uh, they're not going to do something just because you want them to. You are going no. to have to motivate them. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, so yeah. I just try to kind of warn everybody. And a lot of dogs are like that. Every dog needs training. Every single dog needs training. But um, I would say if someone comes to you, I, I know that you do puppy training and I will share for our audience. Um, Caitlin Wolf does have a website. If you have more questions and you want to find out more, it's Wolf Paw Training. It's W-O-L-F-E pawtraining.com. We will share that link in the comments as well so that you can go there. But someone comes to you, I know you do puppy classes as well. Uh, what do you tell them? And we'll leave the audience with this. First steps, let's talk about basic training. You know, what are maybe the top three things you would tell them with their puppy? Absolutely. So first off, I would tell them to right away, whether it's a single person or a family, decide, you know, what, what are the initial boundaries kind of rules you want to have for your home and make sure everybody in the home is on the same page. Okay. Um, so things like, is your dog going to be allowed on the furniture? Where's your dog going to sleep? Um, you know, what, you know, what are those boundaries kind of thing? And definitely with any dog, with a private trainer, or you're doing a group class, um, 
invest in some type of training early on, which is really, really important. Um, Mm -hmm. And group classes are great for puppies because you get the training and you get socialization. So it's a great option for puppy parents. Um, And it's definitely a more cost effective option than than private training. Um, And the number one thing that I tell puppy parents, no matter the breed, no matter the size, is obedience is not the most important thing with your teeny tiny puppy. Uh, Socialization and all that that encompasses is the top priority when they're that small. Obedience happens and you have all the time in the world to work on that, but making sure you adequately socialize your puppy is the most important thing you can do in these, in those early weeks that you have them. And bond with them, right? Because they they need to trust you and know that you're not scary and know that you're not punitive and those kind of things. I feel like maybe that's one of the revolutions that's happened throughout our generation is it used to be when you were a kid, it was the iron fished rule. The, you know, the dog has to be taught to obedient. And we've kind of gone more towards this positive reinforcement, which I love. So relieved that we have, that we've had that evolution, but that's more, it's, more to understand that it's most important that you bond with that puppy and that they see you as their caretaker and their paw rent. And, and then you yeah. will be the boss because they love and trust you and know that you're there exactly. in their best interest. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause you advocate for them and they know that you're there and you hold everything that's fun in their life. And so why would they not want to hang out with you and enjoy spending time with you? Exactly. Um, I also like to tell puppy parents to, have realistic expectations of your puppy, which I know that's hard, you know, understand at the end of the day, they're a baby and they have a baby brain and that baby brain lasts for a while. Um, and they might be these perfect little angels one day. And then the next day they're just (laughs) like tyrannical little tyrants. And And that's, I was going to say that that's normal. So many people expect yeah, animals versus humans, but so many people expect radically different behavior. You know, you look at little children, one minute they're absolute angels, the next minute they're running around and you're like, what happened to the good child? Who are you? What did you, right? And your puppy will do the same thing. Um, yep. And no two puppies are the same. No two puppies are the same. I, when no I got children chuckles, the same. Yeah. When I got chuckles, I hadn't had a puppy in nearly 15 years because Lilo, my first Corgi was becoming elderly and I'd had rescues that were adults when I got them. Right. So I, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how much work puppies are. I mean, Chuckles is an amazing dog. He was hell on wheels as a puppy. Like he was just the most defiant, the, just the corgiest corgi I've ever had. <laughs> and then and then he, when he got into teenagerdom, he's just a complete sweetheart. Wonderful. You know, just a great dog. Mortimer, oh, on the other hand. Show puppy. Oh, easy, she's going so oh. easy. But then he turned into a teenager. And then that's when he came into. The, to I remember. Well, it was just last year. And, and yep. oh, he is the most, you know, oh, my baby sleeps through the night. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> right? oh, he never wakes up in the middle of the night for feeding. It's just like that. And then all of a sudden they're a teenager and the parents are like, what what happened to the child? I I loved and gave birth to what happened to the puppy I right. loved and gave birth to <laughs> two different case studies there yeah right there yeah. yeah no it's true and and you know I also try to encourage people to not compare their puppy to another dog either that right. they currently have or that they've had in the past yeah um, because you know a lot of people you know they love they love the breeds that they love and you know they'll have 
you know, an adult dog or an older breed, and then they get a puppy of the same breed. And it's hard not to, but there's, there's always that little bit of like, oh, well, you know, my adult dog never did this and da, 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 da. I'm like, I know that they're the same breed, but there's still two completely different beings and they're not going to be identical. Yeah. Uh, hey, as as the youngest of four children, I can tell you, you know, being told like, well, you know, you, your two sisters never did that. Yeah. OK, my two sisters grew up in the 60s. I grew up in the 80s. You waited a while to have me. Different generation, different everything. How dare you? How very, dare you? Very different. There. Very, very different. different there. Yeah. Well, this is so, been so helpful, Caitlin. We uh, we don't want to keep you all night long, but thank you so much for everything. We'll have to have you on again because uh, yeah, so I'd be much, happy to. So yeah. much to talk about with training, but I want to tell everyone: please go to her website. It is wolfpawtraining.com. W L L F E pawtraining.com. We will share it in the comments. And we hope that you enjoyed this broadcast and learned something. I think we certainly did. Absolutely. Caitlin, thank you so much. much. Thank you, Caitlin. Have a great evening. Bye. You too. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm wiser now. I every time we 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 talk about different training and everything, it uh, um, it opens up my eyes. And I the the yeah, you can back off on the treats. You don't have to give the exact same treat every time every day. That was uh, eye opening because when we when we pen the dogs before we you know, before we go out, we give them a treat, we give them a treat. Um, and I'm like, do they need it every time? Like maybe, maybe it would be fun to watch them just behave for the sake of behaving and then give them a treat because then it becomes a treat. But oh, the joys works. of treat training. Yes. yes. The joys of treat training. Well, and mine are spoiled. So anything I can give them to make them yes. happy, I'm, I'm going to do it. But we hope you enjoyed this broadcast. Please go to wolfpawtraining.com and show Caitlin some love and learn some things. Again, we will drop that link in the comments. Yep. Meanwhile, please like and subscribe if you enjoyed this. We are here for you every Thursday. All things Corgi, pet lifestyle, candy, cat. cat. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, and, and share with your friends. Yes, please. Yes, please. We're, we're a small business. We need your likes. We need your shares. We need yes. your comments. We need your love. Um, Chuckles in my lap says thanks so much. We love you all. We will see you next week. Bye.